0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to East to West Weight Loss Surgery, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April, and I'm the West. And I'm Jason, and I'm the East. Today, we are thrilled to be welcoming one of the experts in our bariatric community, Kristen Willard. Welcome.
1: Thank you so Welcome. much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is honestly, this is my first podcast I've ever done, so I'm super excited about it.
0: I know when, when you said that I think on one of your stories I was floored. I was going, what's her <laughs> first podcast? Yes. The your I mean the the reason that that we reached out is because as I was telling you earlier. I found you very early on in my bariatric kind of recovery process. The content that you make available for people who are anywhere along the journey is outstanding. And I so appreciate it because it's so usable. It's just quick bites of information that I can take and use right away in a very consumable way. And I just felt so confident trusting what you were producing because you are your dietitian. This is this is what you do. So it was just, yeah, it really helped me uh, along my journey. And I was just so thrilled that, that you, that when we reached out, you were excited to join us. So we are just pumped, pumped to, <laughs> to be talking with you and, and learning more about your story because the resources needed in this community and, and we are happy to connect people to what's already out there. There's so many experts. There are, there are. And thank
1: you so much for your kind words. It's definitely been my goal with bariatric meal prep, um, my handle specifically to be like just little tidbits that you can just take and apply it hopefully that day or the next week whenever you're having surgery um, and that it's easy easy to encompass into your life.
0: Yes, Yeah. Absolutely. Well,
2: there's, there's so many people out there that don't realize, you know, the, they kind of forget that their bariatric Bible is right there to tell them kind of what stage they're in versus what they should yeah. be doing. Cal- mm-hmm. you know, caloric intake, those types of things and I see a lot of people really getting afraid of kind of what they need to do next or what that next stage and step will be. So, you know, having people to have ready access to, you know, the information that you put out there you know, for everybody to have is, is an amazing thing for them to just be able to glance at while they're on Instagram anyway, and kind of look at that versus having to go back and thumb through the bariatric Bible and figure out what page it's on and what it, you know, where it is and what they supposed because it may tell them a number of what it's supposed to be, but that doesn't tell them how to get to that number. And that's one of the biggest struggles I see people with go, well, how do you get that much protein in in right. a day without over your calorie counter how do you worry about the fats that you take in or how about you know there's so many questions when in the papers in the in the book it's just it may just be six to eight hundred you know six to eight hundred calories that's what your intake and you're like okay but how do i get that
1: right exactly yeah the pictures make it more real and seem and i hopefully more doable for people
2: right. yes that's
0: oh i couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> <laughs> all right so before we dive in I just want to explain if you're new to to east to west weight loss surgery, if you're new to Jason and I, he and I both underwent a bariatric procedure called VSG. I've lost over 120 pounds. Jason has lost over 150 pounds. Our medical procedures were wonderful. Our surgeons were great, our nurses were, were amazing, but we found that our support after surgery was very much lackluster. Uh, I started hosting virtual bariatric meetups uh, for people in the community. Jason came to one. He and I struck up a conversation. We realized we gained a lot from our conversations and it turned into what East to West uh, weight loss surgery is today. Uh, so do keep in mind though, if podcast is not your favorite modality of learning, we do record this as a video. So you can go to our YouTube channel, you can see our adorable faces, uh, <laughs> and you can take in this information that way, that way as well. So there's links in our Instagram bio, or uh, you can just go to YouTube and search East, the number two underscore WLS, and our awesome page will pop up and and this re- re- recording will be there. Uh, so today's topics are really going to be focusing very much on our diet and nutrition after bariatric surgery. And specifically, we're gonna be asking Kristen kind of questions in three main areas. Uh, The the new role that food has to take on for us after weight loss surgery, the importance of meal planning, and then tips and tricks that that we can use when we are creating our, our meals and planning them. Really, it's just all things that are going to lead us Uh, to a healthy weight after bariatric surgery, right? We know that the mental side is huge. We have a tool, but as Jason said, right, if we don't know how to actually get in that nutrition in a way that tastes good for us and and hits all of our macros and is nutritious, we're just not going to find success after surgery. So we are very excited to dive into this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, are we ready? Should we do it? Yes, ma'am. I'm excited to be a part of it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so to start off with, will you just please share with our followers, our listeners, and our watchers who you are, who you are as a person, who you are as a woman, what do you enjoy? Just give us a little bit of background information on yourself. Well, thank you for that question. Um, I'm still
1: finding myself, right? But overall, I'm <laughs> still always working on that one. Who am I? Um, but I am, so I think besides working within the weight loss surgery community, uh, I'm a mom, so that's definitely one of my first and foremost uh, roles in the world right now. Uh, And one fun fact about me is I actually live on a prune orchard and we, my husband is a farmer. And so we also sell, have you heard of uh, sunsweet prunes? (laughs) Yes,
0: (laughs) Yeah. we're
1: we're sunsweet prune farmers. So it's a kind of a, a little bit of a different story uh, that I have, and we work on he. It's our, it's his family farm, so it's been in the family for like a hundred plus years, and so we moved. Um, we're in Northern California, and in the Valley of Sacramento, and so uh, we do that part as well. So it's kind of always been like our little like side thing. And
0: um, oh my gosh, yeah, so what an amazing so connection! Like you, that's like a total wonderful marriage between your your personal <laughs> life and your professional life. I mean, that's awesome! Wow. Yes.
1: Yes, I know we have conversations sometimes and um, it's neat because I can relate to him um, as far as like farming and organic and nutrients and the quality of the soil. So uh, it's definitely, um, yeah, it's a big part of my life as well. So thank you for getting to know me a little bit better.
0: Of course. Uh, So I did ask you this earlier and I I know the question, uh, but it's going to lead me to my next one. You have not had bariatric surgery yourself but you were obviously very passionate about working within the bariatric community. So how did you h- how did you find the community? How did you get started?
1: Yeah, so originally so when you become a dietitian, you have to do 1200 hours of supervised practice. And so during that time period, I was first exposed um, to bariatric surgery by one of the dietitians. And she just said that it was the most fulfilling job that she's ever had. And that really first alerted me um, to the to the, to the the role that we can have as dietitians. Um, and so I actually wrote, oh, sorry. Oh my goodness. It's all good. You that. You're good. It comes through on the. comes through on my computer i apologize um we're real people this this is is how we know this is (laughs) a real conversation because life happens (laughs) exactly exactly so she talked about her amazing experience and so i actually um I live in a, small, in a smaller town up in Northern California. And so when I left my internship, I wrote to them and asked them, hey, you know, are you looking for a dietitian?" Never heard, never heard back from them. And that was okay. So I did other things during that time period. I worked at a skilled nursing facility. Um, I worked in a hospital. I started like my own practice. And then the opportunity came up at the bariatric center. And I just knew that I wanted to go there because what I really didn't like about working in the hospital is um, you don't develop relationships with people And so that was one part of being a dietitian that I really liked was more working with people long term and to see someone's progress and not just you know hey here's your menu you know here's you know you have diabetes here's what you need to do and then never see them again I really liked that ongoing connection um, of working with people so I applied uh, they they uh, took me on so I was really excited about that and then quickly you know with people changing positions I quickly kind of moved up and um, and was their, their like go to dietitian. And then, um, I moved about an hour away from the surgery center. And so that was when I started really starting to do more online stuff. So they, cons- they sent me their referrals online. And then I realized that when I worked in the office that, as we were talking about before we got on, there wasn't a lot of visuals. Like people just had that, you know, the bariatric Bible that you referred to earlier, they just mm-hmm. had that. And they were like, well, yeah, but what is, what does 20 grams of chicken look like? You know, and I'm like, gosh, really good questions and when you're in that office setting you can't really show that information like they have those little plastic you know but mm-hmm. they just the um, plastic
2: chicken piece.
1: yes exactly exactly but they're just not as realistic and so Um, I was, I decided that I was going to try to start showing visually, like what people, um, you know, what certain uh, protein, because protein, as you know, is like one of the number one things that someone needs to keep track of. And Mm so I wanted to make sure to have pictures um, for that. And so I remember, I still remember like my very first post, it was like showing the steps of like protein and then the vegetable and then the carb and like, I had like five, I had like 500 followers like almost overnight. I was just shocked. <laughs> I was
0: like, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh,
1: like before that it was like the slow moving like, you know, three followers a week and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, okay, this is what people really want to see. They want yes. more of this visual aspect." And so ever since that post, I really have tried to gear more of my pictures more towards the visual and not just, you know, like I would did I did like quotes or I did um, I would do, you know, like a recipe, but people really wanted more of that visual, the visual pictures.
0: And I think that's what makes the content that you produce so powerful is because it is just so consumable and it finally puts a visual to what we know, right, we've read it or we've heard it, but then I can go to your feed and go okay what you know what does this look like what what do I need to be eating. Uh, to hit my macros Uh, and if you guys don't do not follow Kristen yet on Instagram you absolutely need to her handle is bariatric.meal.prep she's got phenomenal resources there and then her website is also phenomenal all kinds of recipe ideas and she also uh, has meal plans that you can purchase. I mean, they're just uh, yeah, out of this world. So that resource is absolutely one that Jason and I recommend. Everybody checks out, and you post frequently. I mean, uh, I, at least a few times a week, I'm seeing new content on your feed. Thank you for saying I post frequently. because Sometimes I feel like I don't do it enough.
1: Uh, I'm like it should be you know more. Some people are able to do it like every day. Um, and that's a little bit challenging for me to do, but I try to do it at least three times, um, three times a week is always my goal to have at least three to four posts up. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, content is really key and I'd rather produce like good content than just kind of have this fluff Mm -hmm. sort of thing up there.
0: (laughs) Yes. We are, we are all in agreement when it comes to the support that we give this community ain't nobody got time for fluff. We just get straight to the point (laughs) and make sure that people could use it right away.
2: Yes, yeah, exactly. it's definitely got to be it's definitely got to be quality over quantity when you come to that. And and the fact that, you know, you do have those visuals and the fact that you've connected with so many people so fast, that lets you know like you said that you really are giving the people exactly what they need and want because mm-hmm. you can put a recipe up and look at it but until they actually see what that's going to look like on a plate a lot of people can think they want something or they, you know, they look at a recipe and go, oh, I don't know if I can pull that off. They see it on a plate. They may look at it a little bit differently. And it may be something that's more visually appealing that once they, if, they, if it's somebody like me and I see it, I'm going to look at the, a picture of the food and go, that looks really good. So sometimes if I, if I read the recipe for it I would be like I didn't know that was in there or that was in there I don't eat any of that I'm not gonna mess with that but if you just put something in front of me that looks like something amazing that you did mm-hmm. I'm gonna go for it and then you can tell me later what's in it and I may get mad at that point <laughs> <laughs> a lot a lot of people sometimes just need to see what it looks like before without without knowing all the ins and outs of it to make it work for them
1: yeah absolutely and I try to keep the re- the ingredient list really low too cuz i think that can be overwhelming too when you look at a recipe and you're like oh my gosh like there's 20 items in that even if it's just spices and you don't realize it it you know yes. the, the simpler the recipe you know the easier it is that you think that you can you can do it as well Definitely. i also try to aim for that and ingredients that you can buy at walmart like that's what i also try to stray for like things that you can just find at your basic you know grocery store mm-hmm. no matter where you live you know i talked about where i moved you know that i moved away from the braddock center um, earlier. And so where I moved to, like, we have um, uh, what they call super Walmarts. And that's really our only resource here. We have a Rayleighs, which is our, one of our local grocery stores, but it's hard to find ingredients. So I was like, okay, well, yeah. I'm going to use this as my resource as well. So okay. I know that, you know, people can access these recipes.
0: Well, and we know that food scarcity and food deserts are things that exist in our nation and just because you live in a, you know, a, a decent sized town or or an area it doesn't mean that you're going to have access to all of the ingredients that that other people might. So the fact that you're even cognizant of that, right? That you're taking into account well, what what are what's readily available everywhere or is this budget friendly and does this get mm-hmm. right down to the macros. That's what people are really needing after weight loss surgery. I mean, you're so all over the map emotionally after you've gone through your procedure, you're yeah. physically trying to recover and you still have to eat and you have to make sure that that you're getting in nutrition and I know after surgery it was the first time in my life that I actually ever thought of food as nutrition because before food was something that I enjoyed it was it yeah. was a source of pleasure I didn't care what was in it if it tasted yeah. good and it helped me numb out then I'm gonna eat it and then after surgery you're going oh my god I can't do that anymore and I have no idea how to actually feed myself it's yeah, terrifying so you're
1: in that learning process as well so it's a yes
2: keep it simple. Yes. And then you find a a recipe that's got twice boiled artesian rice vinegar, and you're like, yeah, I can't get a hold of any of that (laughs) stuff. We're going to not do any of those things. It makes you lose (laughs) your luster really fast. But if you go with regular, you know, ingredients that everybody can get, like you said, that makes it, that makes it amazing. Yes. So that's
0: kind of tied into the first uh, real big question that, that we want to ask you, right? So we know that after bariatric surgery, we, the patients, we really have to refine our relationship with food. We either need to create a brand new one, or we really have to tweak what, what we had done in the past. What do you suggest? How can people build a new healthy relationship with food? Um- I really, I encourage people to come
1: from like the addition mindset as much as possible. Cause I think it's really easy to focus on all the foods that you're, you know, that you're taking away right after surgery. Instead, mm-hmm. I like to focus on, okay, what can I add to the plate? you know, so it has more of a positive uh, connotation with it instead of like, okay, what do I need to take away? Like, okay, I need, I need to get my protein first. We all know I talk about protein a lot on my website. Um, you know, so aim for that protein. Okay. Now my stomach size is increased. What's another area I can add to my plate. Let's do some vegetables. Um, so really trying to add and come from the addition mindset, I think can be part of the process of helping develop that relationship with food. Um, you know, and of course food is fuel, but I'm not I also want to recognize that it also can be um, an area where you connect with others, and there's like a human element to food too. So I think that's important to to recognize, and you know, taking just knowing to take it one step at a time. I think when you right after you have surgery you're really, there's a real high motivation there. And so I really encourage people to like take advantage of that time period to like learn those cooking skills. Like you were just mentioning earlier, you know, mm-hmm. learning how to cook just simple meals and preparation. So then as time goes on, you have easy go-tos as, you know, life starts happening again. Um, yes. And so, and to gradually work on that relationship with food, even with other people as well. So does that, did I make sense in my head or did that make sense coming out? Yeah.
2: No, that, that made perfect yeah. sense. One of the, one of the things that I always get uh, for people that are really kind of right out of the gate and really getting back into eating normal foods again, mm-hmm. everybody's so scared of like, how do I get the protein in there? But at the same time, how do I, you know, I'm so worried about too much fat or too much calories or too many this. And, but I really want to get the protein in, but I'm afraid I'm going to go like how much is too much. And is it, you know, and you have to kind of explain to them at that point, it's like, uh, you know, like my my dietician told me in an appointment because I kind of said the same thing when I was yeah. so early on and she's like your stomach's really small at this point so you're really not gonna go over so to speak with what you can intake at one time so right. you're kind of yeah. safe in, in that aspect so you need to really concentrate more on making sure the protein's there versus going too far over on the other stuff and missing out mm-hmm. on protein
0: Hmm. yeah exactly well, and Kristen, why do you think it's hard for people to come at this from the that, from that addition uh, perspective, like what you were talking about? Because I'm sure you see people that come into this most of the time from a very defeated place, right? Or from a very negative perspective.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is many times the people i worked with have been on a whole bunch of different diets in the past that, you know, haven't worked, which is why they were pursuing weight loss surgery. So there's a diet mindset of, okay, I need to eliminate, I need to deprive myself oh, to have this, you know, for this to work. I think there's a big fear, you know, when you have weight loss surgery, that this isn't going to work for me. I hear that quite a bit, that am I, it's I just, I, I worried I'm going to fail. Um, and so I think it's just kind of pulling. I mean, those are the memories, right? Like you're pulling the memories forward of like those past failures with diets. And so I think with this one, it's we have to kind of change the mind frame that we're now adding, you know, you're adding um, protein to your meal, you're adding um, fuel to your meal so you can uh, recover, have a healthy recovery, and you're going to continue to work on your relationship with food. Well,
0: that just... I never, ever thought about that before, but you are so right. I mean, in all of my 20 years that led up to bariatric surgery, all I was doing was going through that diet mindset yeah. and and all you're focusing on then is, well, I can't have this or I can't, or I'm choosing not to eat this or I'm right. Like, well, no matter what you say, you are in that, you are in that mindset. And I would have never in a million years thought about that. And that's a really hard mindset to get out of when that's been your, you know, that's your life. Oh, you yeah. Think. yeah, that's your life. And the different pathways.
1: So, and that's why I really try to encourage people to give themselves grace because those pathways have been being built for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And then all of a sudden you're trying to rebuild that. And so it just doesn't happen overnight. Not just, I know we say that all the time with food, like with weight loss, you're not going to lose the weight overnight necessarily, but you're also not going to change your, your mindset overnight. Like it takes constant practice and commitment And ebbs and flows, like, and that's totally normal. Um, I think we all tend to look at surgery that there's like this linear, you know, you're just going straight down with your weight and um, that doesn't necessarily occur. So there's lots of, you know, ups Mm -hmm. and downs.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, and that's one of the things April and I, you know, really talk about. It's like, you really want to use those first few months out of surgery as that remapping time so that when it comes time to start introducing those new foods and more foods, that it's more of a, it's more of just your everyday life at that point. And you're not having to struggle so much with making sure that you're having to, you know, you waited all that time and now you're trying to remap and scramble around and try to get yeah. a lot of stuff changed in a short amount of time, because right. like you said, we didn't get big overnight, so we're not going to get small overnight either.
1: Right. Yeah. And all, it's all, it's all lifestyle change. So it definitely can take that. It just takes co- uh, consistency um, over time is really what my motto is.
0: We actually just posted that on our feed.
1: Oh is <laughs> yeah, it? yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yep. We, we were all about like, if we want to make change, we have we have to do certain things consistently. That's the only mm-hmm. way that we're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I know that with food and meal prep, it can be a real challenge. I, I've told this story often um, on the podcast, but I think it really it's important because some people need to know that you don't have to all of a sudden become a chef overnight. You know, about four uh, months out of surgery, I was so angry at food. I was over it. I was done. I swore it off. I said, I'm never cooking again. I'm going to live on protein shakes. This is just awful. Yeah. And, you know, I had my, my, my moment of sadness in my pity party. And then my rational brain kicked in. It's like, eh, you're going to die if you just drink protein shakes. So you're going to have to, you need to learn how to do this. And I, I found uh, Terry Turner, she wrote a cookbook called No Crumbs Left. And her tagline is like, everyday food made marvelous. And a, a few <laughs> people recommended it to me. And I said, okay, fine. I got the cookbook. And her like first five recipes, I was thinking in my brain, like, why did I spend money on this? This is the stupidest, easiest, most ridiculous, like make marinated onions and make garlic confit. And I was like, this is dumb. But I said, okay, fine. I'm just gonna commit to doing it, right? Like, uh whatever. Well, I made those things and I absolutely was blown away at the flavor and the ease and my brain just all of a sudden going, oh my God, you could add this to this and this. And I just, you know, I went on this pathway all of a sudden and for some reason it clicked with me, but Mm -hmm. meal prep and, and food preparation doesn't have to be complicated to be delicious and nutritious. So as soon as I got away from this thinking of like, oh, cooking is complex and all blah, blah, blah. And really just focused on, okay, I'm going to learn this one thing and do it well. And then, you know, focus on building the meals from our foundational building blocks. Okay, I have to start with protein. How am I going to jazz up this protein? And if that's all that I... You know, cook. If that's all that I produce, that's okay. I don't need eight things at a sit-down meal anymore. I need just a few little items that are nutritious and taste good, uh, mm-hmm. that that I can welcome other people, you know, to to enjoy with me. It was a game changer, absolute yeah. game changer. And and you said that you just have to start small.
1: Yeah, and I think really how you, I liked how you brought up confidence because um, I think that part is really overlooked a lot of times with the point of doing things simple because you, because of past, not you personally, but like because of past diets, you know, there's this fear of failure like we were just talking about. And so that's why I really believe on going small first because you start rebuilding those, that confidence in yourself. Like, yes, I just did that. Okay, great. Now what, I'm, what building block am I going to add now? Okay, now I'm going to do this. So I tell people like, you know, one, two meals a week, you know, you plan for, you start meal planning because it's, it's a new thing, you know? So, um, and I can do this. That's really what you want to go away from it is that I can do this attitude.
0: Well, and again, oh my gosh, this this happens every time we talk with anybody, but <laughs> I I'd never even connected this as well. My failures in the kitchen before kicked me into the shame cycle. Yeah. I, I, I would be so excited to try this recipe that was clearly over my head and I would still do it. It would turn out horrible. I'd burn my kitchen down and then I would just be like, oh, forget it. We're just ordering pizza. And then yeah. it kicks and then I eat a whole pizza. Yeah. Oh my God. I never even like... <laughs> Yeah. And you put all that you put money into it you know yes. you
1: put time into it and so for not to turn out how you want it it's just so frustrating
2: <laughs> oh my god yeah. just- well and and like you said you know the one two meals a week is perfect for somebody when they're just starting out in in you know after surgery because you know you can do that very easily with small amounts of say you can take one regular meal and it can last you that long until you can make something else that will drag you through the next few days so I, you know, like I tell April, I'm a huge creature of habit. So I've got my few proteins that I just rotate out. Mm-hmm. and I just go with it. That's just my weekly thing now. So mm-hmm. yeah. it, it becomes very easy once you have the, the brain capacity freed up to not be so concerned with food every waking moment of the day. It, you know, you have the capacity to do things like learn how to, you know, spend more time in the kitchen, actually reading the ingredients and cooking and following instructions. And those things become a lot easier over time yes yeah,
0: so, so that, that is that is a question that, that I want to make sure that, that we do I guess ask um, we, we always like to start from the same definition so so when I say meal planning are, are we talking about the same thing so if from your perspective what, what is meal planning what is like a definition of, of meal planning yeah
1: I think you can yeah good thing we're talking about that right because you can go in so many different areas um, yeah. to me meal planning is when you take one you know at least one day out of the week and have an idea of three or four, you know. well, I guess if you're just starting one or two, but planning one or two, three or four, depending on where you're at meals for the week and writing a list, a grocery list and having ingredients in your house so you can prepare it. doesn't necessarily you have to do meal planning like, okay, Monday, I'm definitely doing this. Tuesday, I'm definitely doing this. I look at it as more being, I'm a flexible person. That works for me. Some people like to be, you know, have an exact system for every day. For me, what works is I write out you know, three to four, you know, dinner meals a week, um, and write a list up for that, make sure I have those ingredients in the grocery store and then picking that night or, um, you know, that morning, okay, what is it going to be? Is it going to be my, is it going to do any my quick, easy meal tonight? Do I, am I going to do my slow cooker meal tonight? So having an idea of, you know, what meal you're going to eat for the week, I think is helpful. And a lot of times that can go over into, you know, your lunches, um, you know, you can make extras for your lunches. That's what I do personally. I don't plan lunch mm-hmm. plus plan dinner. Like I plan dinners um, and then use leftovers for lunches. I just find that simpler. Um, mm-hmm. If it's a busy week and I am going to do, you know, meal prep is, you know, in my name. So what I do a lot of times is um, like, I might have like a, have you ever heard of oh what do they call it? Uh, like dump and cook recipes. So you can oh. put like everything into like a slow, you know, everything into a yes. bag, you can either put that in your pressure cooker or your slow cooker. So prep in those ways, especially if you have a busy week, but if you, um, if you don't need to, and you like more of those fresh items, I think that's fine too. You know, just having a plan for some meals of your week, I think is a great start.
0: So we, we've been having a lot of conversations with bariatric patients that are also parents, right? So Mm -hmm. they've got, they have kids Mm -hmm. or they have their own parents living with them, multi-generational homes. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's a lot of stress when it comes to, to, to planning out their meals, because they feel that what they need to eat is not what other people in their house is going to eat. But I mean, in my personal experience, I've just found that healthy eating is healthy eating. And if I'm going to, if I need to, to base my meals off of, off of protein, I can base everybody's meals off of protein. Right. And I can make a, a large meal for everyone. Mm-hmm. It just means that I'm only consuming a very small portion of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I do focus on the protein first. So someone comes to me and says, Hey, you know, I have all these family members. I encourage them to, yeah, to focus on the protein and then pick what their starch is going to be. Um, and then a lot of times you can have like the same vegetable and even the same starch possibly sometimes too. It depends on your tolerance. So some people do tolerate long grain brown rice and they would just have, you know, one or two tablespoons of that in addition to the protein and the vegetable. Um, I think when I hear family meal planning, I think what people are also trying to tell me is that they have a lot of picky eaters in the house. Um, Mm. And so that can be hard to um, change, especially, you know, like if your spouse is, you know, uh, prefers different ways of cooking or your kids only, you know, have, um, you know, only like the bread or whatnot that can be challenging and pediatrics is not my specialty, but I do work, you know, I have friends that are in pediatrics and their mantra is always to make, to tell Uh, to tell their clients to have at least one item on the food on the table that the kids like you know so whether you know that be bread or whether that be you know a pasta you know that's fine as long as it's something that they like and not necessarily being pushy about the food because you can start Mm -hmm. starting building up those pathways of like you know you need to eat this or that um, letting them have the choice. And a lot of times that can build the relationship with food as well. And they'll see you eating it and you as a role model is going to you know, really have a big impact on
0: your kids in the long term as well. And what I've really found, it's just my husband and I, I, I don't mm-hmm. have any children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the beginning when I was just starting this journey uh, and I was re-engaging with food again, I would find a recipe that I, that I was really excited to make and I would not make any other sides. I would just make like this meatloaf or this chicken dish or this right, like tofu dish. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, I think because I, I didn't have kids, we could get away with that for a while because my husband would fill up on just whatever I made and I would have my own portion. And then it kind of got to the point where he had said like, you know, I think I'd kind of like to add in some more elements, you know, yeah. to this meal. And it was nice for me to be able to say, you know, I don't have the capacity to do anything else besides this one portion of my meal, and it was nice that he was able to take over. Oh well, I'll make salad and sides, or I'll provide this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that's not an option for everybody, but I think it's important that it's important that people know that if you really want to be successful, I think you have to have some pretty honest conversations with people in your family, and if you're worried about you know, seeing something on your table and being disappointed that you can't enjoy it because you're not at that stage yet or you can't tolerate it. They need to know how it makes you feel when other people are, are consuming that. And then we also need to have a conversation with ourselves. Why are we freaking out over bread, mm-hmm. right? Like we know that it tastes delicious, but that's not, that's not where we're at right now. That's not gonna keep us healthy in, in the long run. So I think, you know, inviting our friends and family into kind of our struggle or into our learning is a really great way that everybody can kind of get on the same page. Because I know that this is an area of a lot of stress for people. It it can be not fun at times.
1: Yeah, And and I encourage people also to like, if they have older kids to like get involved in like the cooking, a lot of times if kids are involved in the cooking, they are more likely to eat it because they're like, hey, what did I, you know, what did I make? Same thing with gardening. If there's gardening, they can, you know, they get more involved as well. Um, you know, going back to the meal planning, I do encourage people to ask like their kids or their spouse, like, what's one meal that they want to have that week, um, mm. and see if you can adapt it or you know, like honor them and honor their preferences because um, you are a family unit. And I'm not, you know, I think it can create stress. You know yeah. um, if everyone's on their own little island so really trying to stay in a collaborative effort as much as possible and open uh, open up the doors of communication which is hard like there's no doubt about it it's hard yeah um, and I think also normalizing it and saying that it's okay and it's normal for people you know for that to occur um, is part of yeah. the process
2: well Are yeah any- and I, I lucky out I have both of my grandchildren living with me right now And they're two and four, and they love to help do anything Mm, in the kitchen, mm -hmm. kitchen related. And when they got here, my daughter's like, they don't eat any kind of vegetable, anything. They just want mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, like that, all kind of regular kid, you know, kid food. And, you know, the more we found out that they are very much of the, they like what you have, and it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what it is, they want Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And so we've gotten them to eat all kinds of stuff they normally wouldn't do just by simply doing that. And like you said, having them help us in the kitchen has really gotten them into wanting to, you know, to not only help prepare good stuff, but actually eat what they help prepare. So it can be done. It's a little harder in kids that are older and have kind of already forged their, you know, their way at the path of food. But um, it, it can still be done because we've talked to people We talk, April and I talk to people every week that have found Mm -hmm. out that their kids have started eating a little bit better. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be all in one day. They're not going to go from eating chicken nuggets and mac and cheese to want to knock down Brussels sprouts. But at the same time, (laughs) you know, you know, every little bit helps and, and you can build the you can build the foundation slowly but surely and still reach the goal at the end of the day. Mm hmm.
1: No, those are, those are excellent points. I wanted to give a one fun fact that when I was, when pediatrics and my nutrition, they said that you needed to introduce, if someone doesn't like something, you need to introduce it 10 to 15 times, um, before they may like it. So that's like, I mean, you always think, okay, they tried it. They don't like it. I'm not going to serve that again, but they need to try it like a bunch of times and in different ways. So like, if it didn't work steamed, you know, try, uh, broiling. If it didn't try boiling it, you know, maybe you could, uh, you know, mash it or bake it or whatever, you know, different options, um, to try it in a variety of different ways before really saying you don't like it.
0: That's a I I never even thought about that. Yeah. But that's, um, there's so many ways to prepare one item, right. And it really does change the flavor. Uh, um steaming broccoli tastes way different than if you roast broccoli I mm-hmm. oh that's a really okay yeah oh now that's got my brain going I mean even <laughs> though I knew it yeah. like you know all of a sudden you just start thinking it and you're like oh wait, I didn't even oh wow okay have you ever had roasted kale
1: yes oh my
0: gosh yes. I just
1: think it's so good like oh. not the kale chips like you buy at the store but like just real just simple kale and coconut oil um you know in in the oven oh my gosh it's like my favorite way to eat kale and I never honestly thought I liked kale before I had baked kale um no. so that's you know an example like right there and my my daughter my four-year-old daughter loves kale and she doesn't like all vegetables So just because she's a dietitian's daughter it doesn't mean that she likes all these different things yeah. she likes the she likes the baked kale
0: hey and like you said you you kind of have to try everything to figure out like okay i i consistently don't like this or that your tastes change over time and and not to be afraid to to try a a new ingredient and sometimes what i've also found too is that just because i can't pronounce an ingredient or i don't quite understand it yet doesn't mean that i'm not going to enjoy it like Mm -hmm. pumpkin seeds people were calling them like something else oh um pepita
1: Yeah. Pepitas or something. Yeah. 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 And
0: and somebody said that the other day and I was like, what the heck is that? And they're like "Uh, pumpkin seeds. And I was like, oh my God, I have pumpkin (laughs) seeds in my house. I didn't know. Right. So sometimes just taking the time to like actually investigate what an ingredient is, what its Mm -hmm. flavor profile is, uh, can be helpful. And I know that there are also too, a ton of apps out there now and programs where you can go to like a website and you can say, here's what I have in my Pantry, or here's what I have in my refrigerator, and it will spit out some really simple recipe ideas that will help you move through the products that you already have in mm-hmm. your home. Because I I know that COVID has been a godsend for me in a, in a few ways. If I go to the grocery store, I buy things that are not going to help me live my life at a healthiest weight. Mm-hmm. But if, but now I order all of my groceries. I meal plan, right? I order you know, the the ingredients that I need for the week ahead. And then they deliver them to my car. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm not seeing the end caps. I'm not seeing all the sights and smells and sounds of there. And it keeps me focused. I I don't even bring those items into my home anymore. And it's made a big impact on just my mental health. And it's made a big impact on my weight. I mean, I've lost over 40 pounds since COVID hit and not very many people can say that. But it's because- Sounds like effortlessly almost too. (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but it's been, it's been the easiest 40 out of my my 120. It certainly has been easier. And it's because I'm meal planning and I'm not going in the grocery store and I'm putting protein first, right? Mm-hmm. Again, doing these simple things. Mm-hmm. Simple is not easy. We, we recognize that, but if we can yeah. just incorporate these simple steps or tricks or tools into what we're already going to do, we're going to see improvements, not only at the scale, but mm-hmm. in, in our mood and in our relationship with food, it's just going to become what we hoped it always would be, which is a healthier relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Are there any other trips, tips or tricks or tools that you recommend people utilize when they are going down this, this healthy food path?
1: Yeah, great question. There, it depends on where someone is on their journey, but like if someone's first starting off, I feel like when people first sign me, they're, they're first starting, so I'm gonna go there first. Um, I think it's easier to find, like pick a protein for the week for the most part, pick a vegetable um, and then pick what your, uh, what your healthy carb is gonna be or your smart carb. And try to prepare those like in just different ways. Cause I think that can also be overwhelming to have like, okay, I got, you know, my pork, I got my chicken, I got my fish. I'm going to do all of them, you know, this week. I think it also helps that if you get like a larger, like maybe two pounds of chicken um, instead of one, and then just try to uh, disperse it throughout different meals throughout the week. So you could do like a salad or um, you could do a wrap or um, you could, uh, you know, do um, a blanking right now or a soup. You know, with that exact mm-hmm. chicken, and um, that can be helpful. Cause really, a lot of times you're, we I think it was Jason bringing up different um, flavors earlier. Really, all you're doing on a lot of these meals, it can be the same exact thing if you put, like, let's say, chicken, quinoa, and you know, salad, if you were to change the flavorings on it and maybe do like sun-dried tomatoes and balsamic on there, that would have more of an Mm -hmm. Italian flavor where if you do like cumin and chili pepper or chili powder, that would have more of like a, you know, a Mexican flavor. Mm -hmm. So you can just kind of change your flavors and then like feel like you're having a different, a different meal
0: as well. That's a really good yes. That is a really well, good labor thing. families. I, yeah.
2: Well, oh. I'm 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 huge into seasoning because I actually yeah. had a food business before I had bariatric surgery back when I lived in Oklahoma, and so I've been smoking meat, cooking meat, doing everything you can imagine, you know, food wise for years and years. So my seasonings are my my I've got regular cabinets that are for dishes that have seasoning in them because that's how <laughs> much I've got, but. And so I've found, you know, seasonings post op that I didn't ever even mess with pre op that take things just like normal eggs that I make in the morning when I scramble eggs that I could put seasonings to that just take away, you know, it's another bland scrambled egg that you're gonna have. I've started putting taco seasoning in my in my scrambled mm-hmm. eggs that just makes it amazing, and you feel a lot, you know, the more because this is this has been going on forever. The more flavorful your food is, it, you feel full faster. You don't mm-hmm. have to eat near as much of it when you have a lot of flavor going. On. So, mm-hmm.
1: and satisfied I, that, with your
2: meal too. Yes, that's been that's been a game changer for me to keep from having so much, you know, fighting the flavor fatigue. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
1: because I think that helps keep the process going and to keep you eating healthy. Because if you don't like what you're eating, you're not going to stick with it for a long term. You got to
0: like what you're eating. Correct. Right. And, and some of us are creatures of habit and we enjoy the consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of us like to mix things up. And I think it's so important for people to know that you can stick with the same protein or you can stick with the same base and you can make an entirely different dish or meal or experience just mm-hmm. based on what you add to it. It reminds me of my overnight oats. I really enjoy overnight yeah. oats and I love mixing them up based on the seasons, right? So right now I'm doing a lot of like uh, apple cinnamon flavored where I'm using you know, plant milk and, and sugar-free applesauce and then a ton of you know, uh, cinnamon. And you know, I'm looking forward to doing more like eggnoggy flavored ones, you know, w- when, when December rolls around. But it's the same base, right? I'm I'm keeping it real simple. I'm just adding in different flavors so that I'm getting a, a different experience every time I, I eat it. So mm-hmm. super important. You know, and the other thing that i that I have really been doing is I um I this is like my absolute favorite tool that I found. It's just like a, a planner, you know, that I got at like uh um, oh, yeah. Target. And what I really appreciate about these, it's helped me so much with meal planning. I'm gonna open it up uh, just so I can explain kind of what's going on here, right? So there's this monthly view where I can sit down and go, okay, here's, here's the meals that I wanna have on, you know, on, on these three days. Well, then it has sections here where it breaks it down on individual days. So I can write in the meals or I can use this place to kind of do my grocery list for each day. And then I can just take this to my computer, sit down, type in the ingredients and add them to my shopping list and then check out. So it's a nice visual way for me to kind of keep organized and and keep on track. And knowing that I'm doing this in pencil, right? So if I need to change things up or, or mix things up, I can come here to my big... Global view and just erase it and move stuff because we all know. I mean, life happens. Uh, exactly. You know, pre-COVID, you would get an invitation to go out or somebody's celebrating something or soccer practice got switched or who knows what. Yeah. So to to know that you can flex your meals to meet your needs that are coming up each week is so powerful and to know that I already have the ingredients. Yeah. So when something comes up or when I get a craving for fill in the blank, right. Mm -hmm. I can say, well, that sounds good, but I actually have that in my house or Mm -hmm. what's also helpful for me is to tell myself you already bought the ingredients and you're going to go get a burger and you're going to eat, you know, one eighth of a slice of that burger, and then the rest of it's going to, you know, go to waste. It's not going to taste better the next day. So, if I have ingredients in my house, it's another tool I can use to talk myself out of making a decision that's maybe not quite as healthy for mm-hmm. me and talk mm-hmm. myself into making the healthy decision that I've already done the work, you know, in making. So, right. Yeah. Because you made that so decision. Powerful
1: earlier you know in the week that's that's what you're gonna have so then when you are tired when you're feeling fatigued at the end of the day you're more likely to stick with it because you already made that decision
0: earlier yes okay so uh we we let our community know that we were interviewing you and people sent in some really great questions (laughs) oh good kind of consistently came back was people have a very difficult time hitting their protein goals every single day yeah right common question yeah so what do you I mean, our recommendation is that every, if you're having a hard time getting in your protein, every time you eat or drink something, it has to contain protein. Like that's Mm -hmm. just, that's just Mm -hmm. your base. Mm -hmm. But what, yeah. What would you tell people or what, what's your recommendation? Yeah. So, I
1: mean, obviously it depends on where people are at, what they're, we know, surgery. I think, you know, in the beginning, I think there's these lofty ideas even like even as a medical professional oh they're gonna you know get most of their protein from food you know after a month that might not happen you know like that may not happen um and so also recognizing where you are to use the protein drinks as a tool like i definitely like to help make it up Um, but before i go there let me go back let me back up a little bit so my first recommendation was definitely to have protein like at each meal um, and to make that like the centerpiece and, and to build around it. Um, if someone's not meeting their protein needs with like just the three meals then they're likely going to need to have snacks. So, and you know, I'm okay with snacks. I hear, you know, I hear in the weight loss surgery community that, you know, I was told no snacking. I th- to me, there's a difference between snacks and grazing. And so really to recognize like where someone's at. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so if they're, you know, if it's more of a grazing and more mindless, I look at grazing as more unintentional, more mindless where snacking is intentional. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I'm having this to help meet my protein goals or I'm having this cause I'm going into a meeting. I'm going to begin for the next two hours yeah. and I need to fuel my body beforehand. So it's much more intentional. Um, and so I think most people, This is not a recommendation, you know, you got to work with your dietitian, but I think most people do require snacks in order to meet their protein goals. Cause I think it's, Mm -hmm. I get all the time on my photos, it's way too much pro, you know, it's way too much food. Um, And that's three ounces of protein in most of my, you know, most of my pictures. So I think people have a hard time meeting that um, most of the time. So usually someone's going to need snacks um, in between meals. And and if they're not able to meet their protein goals, then to consider adding on a protein drink um, to help meet that to eat that protein. There are, you know, one trick can be to choose more of a protein dense protein drink. So looking at what protein drinks going to have the most protein per ounce, I think is helpful, especially if you're having, you know, small stomach capacity. And Uh so like premier protein, you know, is is a popular one. Um, There is the core, uh, was it fair, fair life um, Mm -hmm. core power. That one is is a pretty, um, protein dense one uh, yeah. bariatric advantage is a high protein you know dense one mm-hmm. but things like so even though i just said premier the the premier clear is you know it, i can't remember right now off the top of my head but it's not nearly as many as many grams of protein per ounce i think it's as the actual regular one is it 20 yeah. but is it but it's tw- a number like per ounce that it could yeah. break it down to um, yeah. so get the most bang for your buck really um, when it comes to protein, for the most part, all your protein is going to be about seven, six to you know, eight grams, let's say, you know, per ounce, that's pretty typical of any animal source of protein. So you okay. can't really like change that up like too much. Um, okay. now if you tolerate, you know, if someone tolerates, uh, more of a soft boiled egg as opposed to chicken, I'm going to say, go for that soft boiled egg, like also work to your
0: advantage as well. Okay. What, what would be your go-to maybe you know, animal-based and plant-based protein sources. Like, it, what would be your top three snacks that would yes. really help people re- reach their goals?
1: Um, so, as far as like, so I'm kind of separated between animal-based, so you want more snacks and not meals. As far as yeah, um, okay. Um, so, someone's plant-based, like edamame. I think is a great um, plant-based one that you can get. There's like a ro- like a roasted edamame is something that you can make mm-hmm. up on the weekends. Um, that's really easy. Um, As far as like uh, uh, animal based hard boiled eggs, cottage cheese, I think those are just simple ones that you can just make up on the week and you can have them. And I'm I'm a big believer in eggs, actually. I think there's a lot of good nutrients and they have iron in them. They have vitamin E, they have B vitamins Mm -hmm. that a lot of times, you know, after surgery, you're at risk for having deficiencies for um, vitamin D. So I think eggs can be a really is one of my favorite sources of animal proteins. A second one animal protein would be fish. I know that's not always popular, um, but it's, uh, you know, I like the the light canned tuna specifically over the albacore. It's going to have more of those uh, omega-3s, more of those anti-inflammatory um, mm-hmm. fatty acids that are going to be um, good for your body, but good for your skin, yeah. you know? So <laughs> there's some yes. other good stuff in there as well. Yes. Um, so those would be that. As far as um, going back to plant-based, you know, can do like a, like a three bean salad, um, sort of thing, or a tofu. I mean, tofu is really going to be your best thing for the buck as far as like, yeah. um, protein ounces. That's it. Just, I don't, there's not a lot of snacks I can think
0: of with tofu right away.
1: Um, well,
0: the, the interesting thing about tofu is that I'm, I'm definitely on, on the wagon with, with mm-hmm. tofu and I was not at before bariatric surgery, but mm-hmm. I throw silken tofu in, I make myself a quick, like fruit smoothie. Okay and it's so protein packed and it feels yeah. like a real dead meal i almost feel like i'm chewing it so mm-hmm. even though it's a snack it's not a meal it's doing a lot for my brain it's doing a lot for my stomach uh, it's i know that it's nutritious and it's yeah. a grab and go type of item mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i've really been looking for creative ways to incorporate more tofu in my diet and i feel mm-hmm. like it's it's been a really good thing and edamame i bought a giant crunchy you know like the puffed edamame at costco and i've yeah. been so enjoying that and then on days that i don't want a crunch I also found prepackaged bags of um, edamame in the, the pod that you microwave. So it's a yeah. warm snack that I just yeah. do a little everything but the bagel seasoning on. And oh my gosh, is it delicious. And it's filling. And it's. I love steamed edamame. Mm-hmm. Oh, just. And it's yeah. easy, yeah, easy. So easy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind and of that, fun too. <laughs> yes. Yep. Right. And that's the key too. If you have things in your house that are go-to items for you, when that, Right when you either truly are hungry, or when something kicks in your brain and you're like, oh, I just eh," to know that you've got some healthy options that take you, you know, 30 seconds or a minute to prepare, I think Mm -hmm. is really going to keep you on track in terms of your macro goals and then your overall just like you know your nutrition, your your meal prep. It's not throwing Mm -hmm. you off off your game at all. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So will you tell our listeners uh, and our followers uh the services that you offer and where they can follow you, where they can access all of this amazing content that you produce for this community? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm on
1: all different kinds of places. I've been um so I have obviously Instagram, so bariatricmealprep dot um is that one. Um uh, bariatricmealprep.com is where I have like my recipes. That's where I have like an article about vitamins. That's kind of where I give more detail, like what to do, you know, if you're at a stall, if you have had weight regain, um, that's more, it's a blog, right? So there's definitely going to be longer articles that are on there. Also like a lot of recipe roundups on there. I do have, as far as like services are concerned, um, I do have my meal plans, which I do sell like consistently. Um, I just updated them and I I am in the process of funny. We were talking about a vegetarian. I feel like I've gotten a lot of requests for plant-based. So I haven't announced those publicly, but I guess I'll do it here that I'm going to try to work on, I'm start working on like a vegan um, plant-based menu. Cause I feel like I get so many questions on that, that I really feel like there's nothing you guys need. Everyone needs it, especially because a lot of people tell me they can't tolerate meat the same way after surgery. And it just doesn't get tired of it. So um, and I, well, used and to I feel be like, vegetarian,
0: mm-hmm. and I feel like, you know, the, the plant-based movement is really taking hold, not necessarily from the animal welfare mm-hmm. s- side of things, but just from the environmental impact, right? All of a mm-hmm. sudden, you know, people are home and you're watching all these documentaries and you're going, Oh my God, wow. The impacts of eating animal, you know, protein is more than just, you know, the, the welfare of an animal. So mm-hmm. I know that the movement is growing and I'm one of those people. I just, I don't process animal proteins as well anymore. Mm-hmm. And and it freaks me out a little bit because I want to keep hitting my macro goals, but I'm really trying to move in a plant-based direction. And there are not a lot of resources out yeah, there. Yeah, there's this. not.
1: And so I'd rather it come from me than come from, you know, some uh someone that less hasn't had the background in it. So I would love to be able yeah. to produce that. So that's not something that's on my projects for 2021,
0: 2021. Yes. <laughs> so excited. Oh my um, gosh. And I will say, I have seen what your meal plans look like. I think you offer, I, I don't want to misspeak. I think you yeah. have a, a free mini version that people can just try out to see if if, yeah. if your product is what they like. And that yes. is amazing. The layout is amazing, you guys. It's so easy to follow. It's oh, just so consumable. I mean, it's it's amazing. And I I can only imagine what your paid versions are like. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Yeah, I have all the different ones.
1: So I have pureed. I have soft. I have regular. Um, and yes. so the, the vegan one will, the plant-based one will come out, um, hopefully in 2021. And mm-hmm. then I do have, I do offer courses. I've offered my course twice now. I'm not sure exactly what my month of December, I'm going to focus more on this. I'm not sure exactly what, when I'll be offering it again, but hopefully at some point in 2021, I'll be offering, um, my course again. And it's, um, how to eat with confidence after weight loss surgery. And so we go into, um, we actually talk about, uh, plant-based diets. We talk about, um, kind of like my, my, uh, general tips, um, for what to follow after weight loss surgery. I honestly, the best thing about it is that I have like so many cheat sheets. So like what to order at different restaurants, specifically like the top 10 restaurants, um, that you can go to, oh, um, I have awesome. like comparison sheets, to different protein drinks. So I go over, you know, all the difference, um, as far as what's to do with eating at home, eating out, eating traveling. So it goes really, really, really in depth. I feel like I just encompass like everything that I have gotten questions about and put them into like one course.
0: <laughs> That's Um, awesome.
1: So at some point I I want to uh, launch that again in 2021, but I haven't figured out the exact timing of that
0: as well. Um, Wow. Well, Well, when you do, please let us know so we can (laughs) blast it uh, across the Uh, the universe. That is just well. You're such a wonderful resource uh, for this community. And if you're you're listening or watching, just know we're going to link all of Kristen's resources in the show notes. We're going to link them on our IG bio. We're going to link them on our website. Uh, And Miss Kristen will also be joining us at one of our virtual bariatric meetups. So we are so excited uh, to to present her as a special guest and just let the community get get to know you more because what you produce, the content that you uh create for this community is just unparalleled we we're we're just so yeah it's just awesome
1: when you you are all like everyone in the community has been a part of that process so i feel like it's because people have communicated with me so well and let me know like where the struggles are and where the challenges have been it's been it has allowed me the opportunity to be able to help create that content as well so i'm definitely like i try to reply to like every single dm i get every single email sometimes it may not happen right away but i do my best to like reply to everyone um, because I value, um, what you're experiencing as well. And then your experience helps me produce content that helps
0: other people. So it's like, you know, it's like hold on. Yes. It's a win-win. We call it a win-win. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Well, Kristen, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today. I feel like we, we probably could have continued to talk for, I know. for hours Like is hours. Is it been an hour? Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Like has I it, know. Is it? What time is it? Uh, Well, that that just means that we have many more opportunities to continue this, this conversation in the future. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. I
1: had a really good time. First, good experience on a podcast. So thank you for having me.
2: (laughs) Oh, you are welcome. We could, we could be there for you. We appreciate you being here.
0: absolutely. To everybody listening and watching, thank you so much for for tuning in. If you like what you're seeing or if you like what you're hearing, uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then just, of course, share this with the world. Our whole goal is that people (laughs) know that this resource exists for anyone in the bariatric process. If you are pre-op, we have support for you. If you are post-op, we have support for you. If you're you're just the very, very beginning of, of the process. Please know that there are resources and people out, out here in the bariatric universe that are, that are here to help you, no matter what decision you make. We know how difficult it is to make the decision. We've been there, we, we, we've lived through it. And we are here uh, to say that we are enjoying life on the lighter side and we, we want you to experience what, what we're experiencing as well too. So your support is, is appreciated and, and very much welcomed. It's all right you guys definitely- i think
2: we did it <laughs> i think Thank so you. sounds like it all right jason you want to take us out yes ma'am uh i just appreciate like april said everybody the support that we've gotten up to this point is allowing us to keep doing what we're doing and we couldn't do it without you guys much like kristen said um the support's out there we're here to try to do our best to bring it to you guys and just remember that uh, you've got this and we've got you and we'll see you next time awesome bye guys Bye bye. Bye.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.